Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 85 is entitled False Analogy. There are forms of logic that affect our thinking. For example, critical thinkers use the following forms in analyzing concepts or problems. Cause and effect, classification and division, comparison and contrast, example, and analogy. There are others, of course, but the purpose of this podcast is to issue a warning about carrying concepts beyond the boundaries of logic. The scientific method is brilliant and has led to amazing insights into nature. In this podcast, I want to focus on analogy. Analogy is a comparison between two things that are generally unlike but have similar characteristics. Analogy is part of our everyday language and is expressed in comparison and contrast, simile, metaphor, classification, and division. Analogy often expresses itself in humorous exaggeration. For example, if someone says, I am famished. I could eat a horse. They are comparing themselves to vultures who feed on a dead horse, suggesting there is no end to their hunger. It is false, of course, but is not taken literally. It expresses a feeling, not a reality. We wouldn't call the speaker a liar, nor would we expect them to eat a dead horse. Much of our language is light-hearted exaggeration that teaches a separate truth. However, we're in tune with each other and do not hold people to the literal meaning of the words when we know they're exaggerating. But in this podcast, I want to bring to your attention the inherent dangers in pattern thinking. I specifically want to talk about the pitfalls of false analogy. There are two kinds of analogy. One is literal and the other is figurative. A literal analogy would be something like this. Paul's head is higher than the ceiling. One can test the analogy by taking a tape measure and measuring the room from floor to ceiling. Let's say the ceiling is 6 foot 5 inches. For the statement to be true, Paul must be taller than 6 foot 5 inches. A figurative analogy would be something like this. Paul, my four-year-old, is as tall as an adult giraffe and weighs as much as a great blue whale. Even Goliath was only nine feet tall. An adult male giraffe may reach 18 feet, but no one accuses the proud mother of lying. They just assume that Paul at age four is perhaps a little taller than other boys of his age and a little more overweight. The fallacy of false analogy occurs when one carries a literal analogy too far or when one mistakes figurative analogy for a literal analogy. False analogy is at the core of our political problems today. The following are the dangerous analogies that are destroying our democratic republic. 1. Man is an animal. 2. Man is a machine. 3. Man is a biological robot. 4. Man is an accidental collocation of atoms. Compare the above scientific views of man with the Christian view of man. The following is the foundation of the Christian view of man. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Genesis 1, 26-27 The above was written by Moses. Later prophets give us further insight into our relationship with God. 
We are taught that God is the Father of our spirits. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? Numbers 16.22 We are taught that we are the children of God. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Psalms 82.6 We are taught that when we die, we will return to our Father in heaven. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Ecclesiastes 12.7 We are taught that God is a resurrected being, and also has flesh and bones, and is not made of stone or metal. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. Acts 17.29 We are taught to pray to our Father in heaven. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Matthew 6, 9-13 Our forefathers based all of our laws upon the principle that we were created equal by God. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Long after our forefathers founded this nation upon the fundamental principle that we are the children of God, created equal by God, science has presented another model of man. Science turned away from God to atheism. For example, our nation was founded on the belief that God not only created men and women, but that God created the universe, as summed up in the first verse of the Holy Bible. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 1, 1. Science, however, has created a different model, one that not only leaves God out as our creator, but denies the existence of God altogether. Science offers the following explanation for the creation of heaven and earth and of men and women. Many people through the ages have attributed to God the beauty and complexity of nature that in their time seemed to have no scientific explanation. But just as Darwin and Wallace explained how the apparent miraculous design of living forms could appear without intervention by a supreme being, the multiverse concept can explain the fine-tuning of physical law without the need for a benevolent creator who made the universe for our benefit. Stephen Hawking and Leonard Melodinow 
the grand design. Such a philosophy is not without social consequences. Mr. Hawking advances the views of science by claiming that everything, even our actions, are deterministic. The following is also taken from Mr. Hawking's book, The Grand Design. It is hard to imagine how free will can operate if our behavior is determined by physical law. So it seems that we are no more than biological machines and that free will is just an illusion. The primary question that faces our government today is which model do we follow? Do we follow the model of modern atheistic science, which claims that man does not have free will? Or do we follow the model of our Christian forefathers, which claims that man does have free will? Do we become biological machines or mindless robots at the mercy of government as modeled by science? Or do we become self-reliant free men and women at the mercy of Christ as modeled by our forefathers? We are rapidly moving away from a Republican form of government which was based on the premise that we were all created equal by God toward the scientific model which denies God and by necessity leads to humanism, socialism, communism, and totalitarianism and the need for government to control and equalize the potential of man. It is no accident that communist countries are atheistic. The philosophy of our government today is that since God did not create us equal, the government must create equality. Among other things, that leads to socialism and redistribution of wealth. It leads to enforced equality through the suppression of one group and the elevation of another. False analogy is a grave threat to democracy because it diminishes man. The importance of man is at the heart of a republican form of government. Self-reliance is at the core of democracy. Social entitlements are at the core of socialism. False analogy occurs when we carry an analogy beyond the essential attributes. There are similarities between man and animal and man and machine. However, those similarities have limitations which establish boundaries. Ignoring those boundaries creates the two greatest false analogies of science. Man is animal and man is machine. Because of the independence of law in every sphere, including the human body, some scientists erroneously assume that we do not have free will. They assume that we are human robots or biological machines, and a computer could predict all behavior if only it could do the math. Just as we are fortunate that the laws of our earthly sphere are independent, we are extremely fortunate that our biological factory is independent, but we are not robots. That which is automatic or mechanical is ruled by one set of independent laws. That which relates to behavior and free will is ruled by another set of independent laws. The one temporal, the other spiritual. If we were machines only, then science would have a valid argument if they had the free will to argue. However, we have a human spirit that, although severely curtailed by the limitations of the human body, is the governing power of the physical body. The spirit is subject to spiritual law, not temporal law. It is from the spirit, not the body, that we have what we call self, or the human will. Opposition is at the core of all free will. Mortal life is a constant struggle. The desires of the human spirit, though the spirit relies upon the physical body, are often at odds with the appetites of the human body. Those who must push away those extra calories are well aware of the daily struggle. The constant battle between good and evil elevates that struggle to epic proportions. We are strange creatures who live in an unsteady state of constant rebellion because of the law of opposition. 
Peace and agency to the soul and freedom to the body can only come when the temporal is brought in perfect harmony with the spiritual. Those who conquer the world at the cost of their soul lose everything. Those who conquer self at the cost of the world will gain worlds without end. All free wills inextricably connected to the human spirit. That means temporal laws, spiritual laws, and man-made laws must work together or free will would not be possible in this life. Government governs man-made laws. God, however, governs temporal laws and spiritual laws. Because all laws have conditions, our behavior is not, as some scientists assume, deterministic. Our freedom of choice multiplies as our understanding of the conditions of physical laws increase. No one could possibly list all the choices we make in this life. Because all humans, though genetically similar, are vastly different and because choices multiply exponentially as understanding of temporal law increases, the argument against free will is untenable. It lies entirely in the realm of opinion versus opinion. A billion opinions cannot alter one fact. A billion facts cannot alter one truth. A billion truths cannot alter one law. Be wary of semantics in service of vested interests and prefabricated opinions. One can alter the definition of free will, but one cannot alter the attributes of free will. The attributes of free will, as with all attributes of law, are outside of language and outside of science. Control the conditions of law, and you control the effects of law, but you do not change the law. Because law has conditions and follows a very logical structure, it is predictable. The conditions and the predictability of law give man control over law. Man simply must discover the conditions and obey those conditions. When conditions, necessary and sufficient, are met, the effect is absolute. Thus, we call law deterministic. However, in many cases, man can manage those conditions and thus control the outcome. Knowledge brings freedom. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, our Savior said. Christians accept on faith that God gave us the powers of inductive and deductive reasoning, and the principle of causality applies to both spiritual law and to temporal law. Knowledge is the key to prevent us from becoming victims to law. Free will drives us. Knowledge frees us. Obedience to law empowers us. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.